0: Welcome to the 5G Decretory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds.
1: 5G Decretory broadcast live from uh, Riga, Latvia happens every year. This is the fourth year in a row that uh, this event gathers uh, 5G enthusiasts, uh, business people, entrepreneurs, researchers. uh, to virtually one table to discuss, to get to know, to uh, inform each other, share experiences. In our next session, hosted by Global Mobile Suppliers Association, um, we will hear uh, several experts, uh, and it will take about 40 minutes. Uh, I'm very glad for that, because the topic is very relevant. Uh, Regarding panelists, we have uh, four plus the moderator. So, uh, speakers: Ulrich Droppmann, uh, head of standardization and industry environment uh, at uh, Nokia; Howard Ben, uh, the VP Communications Research, uh, Samsung; Alan Morad, the senior director, head of Future Wireless Europe Lab at Interdigital; Emmanuel Kohlhoff's uh, mobile consultant at uh, Huawei, and the session would be moderated by Joe Barrett, who is the president of Global Mobile Suppliers Association. So, Joe, uh, I'd like to give the floor to you to start the session.
2: Thank you very much, and welcome, everybody, and uh, welcome to um, uh, a great panel. Um, I say we've got about 40 minutes uh, where hopefully we'll get some interesting questions and some very relevant answers. I said, we've got a very good, strong panel. Let me start off by just setting the scene a little bit with some latest 5G statistics. Um, so this is from the, the latest GSA website and reports. We now have 469 operators in 140 countries and territories that are in, investing in 5G in the form of tests and trials and pilots, but also actual deployments. So of those, 182 operators, and that's the latest information from this morning, in 70, 73 countries, territories, have launched commercial 3GPP compatible 5G services and that also includes uh, fixed wireless access services. Devices, of course, are very important. Uh, We have over 1,115 5G devices announced, more than 800 currently commercial and that's a growth of 24% in the past quarter. So with that, um, we've got a very strong uh, situation with 4G with 5G sorry but then what opportunities uh, as we've said um do we have going forward um for 5G uh and what should we be doing so i'm going to start off to ask um, each panelist a, a question and give a little bit of uh, also background on their role in each company um so uh, the first question uh, maybe to um olivier uh, dropman from Nokia Hi, Uli. Uh, so, 5G is definitely having an impact on uh, the mobile broadband uh, compared to 4G. But how important has the standardization effort been um, in the growth in network rollout from your perspective?
0: Yes, thanks, um, Joe for the question. And of course, uh, first, I'm happy to be part of this uh, panel in this important uh, conference um we we take the standard for granted in particular if we roll out right now now we are on the rollout of 5g and the, the version that we are commercially rolling out has been finalized in the standard a, a couple of years ago uh, really 15 that was um, 2018 and so on and then uh, we move the society and the operator moves from the first version which is the non-standalone to the standalone and this is some of the operators in the deployment have talked about that so and um, it looks all so so easy and we have had uh, ever since at least lte you now one global standard and um, um, but this is not without challenges so we had to, certainly in reflecting back in the in the early phase of the 5g standard we had to work hard as an industry to achieved that 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 goal now it's almost a bit uh forgotten but there was a slight risk that there was a bit of a fragmentation and of course we have to um we have to ensure that we work as a common standard of course this is the whole basis of the global market the fantastic ecosystem that we are uh that we are joining so in that sense um, i'm also active uh, in the global mobile supplier association and of course we are all competitors but we are united to make sure that the one global 3GP-based mobile standard ecosystem uh, remains, as this is, of course, the basis of the many different uh, equipment vendors and chipset vendors and devices and so on. So that needs to be maintained. In the standard, of course, we always look a little bit ahead, not yet into 6G, but we are looking uh, into the coming releases. We have are uh, now finalizing v 17 and we are shaping the content of release 18. And the whole journey from the 5G to now to then the 5G that we are standardizing with the release 18 is just half a generation ahead. That's why we will call this 5G advanced. Of course, it will then uh, deliver on the promise of 5G in many of the different use cases. So all in all, of course, is a hugely important uh, undertaking for the success uh, that we are now seeing for the rollout. And the continuous effort we do then to ensure the success for the for 5g to achieving its full potential and then later on also to make sure that we get a one global common standard also when we engage into 6g in a couple of years thank you very much thank you Louis. so moving on to
2: uh, samsung and, and and howard um uh, thank you for joining um so we've seen that uh, you i mean you are heavily involved in the in the spectrum issues within the GSA spectrum group, and also other industry bodies. But what trends are you seeing in spectrum assignments for 5G, and how relevant is that to the current opportunities that we see?
3: Thank you, Joe. Yes, so um, we've been looking at spectrum for 5G for many, many years now. The spectrum allocation process is a relatively slow process. It takes many years in the ITU to identify the frequency bands, and then we have to work with the regulators in each of the individual countries around the world to make sure that that spectrum gets allocated. So in the early days of 5G, what we did was uh, we, we basically identified multiple frequency bands. So we started off with what we called the pioneer bands. So there was three of those. One then at uh, 800 megahertz, which is a low band, a mid band at three and a half gigahertz, and a higher frequency band in the 26 to 28 gigahertz band. I think it's safe to say that uh, we were very successful in the early days in the ITU in allocating the spectrum. Obviously, we have to look very closely at coexistence. So in the lower frequency bands, we have a, a lot of TV services still running uh, relatively uh, close in the 700 megahertz bands and some of those have moved a little bit further down now. Uh, And in the uh, higher frequency bands, there was obviously a lot of discussion with the satellite community around about the way that the systems would interwork at the top end of the frequency range. So 28 gigahertz is one of the bands used in the uh, downlink of some of the satellite services that we see today. So the mid-band was the one that was rolled out first Uh, that was the the one that I think most people will have used who have got a 5G phone today and that's in the three and a half gigahertz and again that was kind of split into two so we had uh, 3.4 to 3.8 which is uh, being allocated to spec to operators around the world now and then slowly we're seeing the rollout of uh, 3.8 to 4.2 gigahertz And depending on the country, that is used for different services. So uh, countries like the UK and Germany uh, have allowed local licenses. So that allows new services like private networks. So you can just get a license for your particular factory. I think the upper frequency band was the the, the hardest and still remains the, the hardest frequency band because some countries have still to allocate this. Um, so I won't pick any out for uh, for examples, but if you look around the world, there's a, there's a number of countries now that have rolled out services, up at 26 gigahertz and 28 gigahertz, equipment is available, and there are other countries that are still looking at doing the licensing, uh, and I'm hoping that they will get that over and done very soon. Thank you, Howard,
2: uh, for that positive note as well, and also uh, some interesting opportunities in these different spectrum bands. Uh, moving now to um, on, on the technology side um, uh, with um, uh, Alain Morad from uh, Interdigital. So Alain, uh, so we've seen 5G opening up new segments for mobile broadband uh, but also for industrial applications. So uh, from your perspective, what technologies or features will be key uh, for 5g as uh, 5G mobile broadband moves into the enterprise and industrial segment?
4: Okay thank you John. And pleased to be here on the panel with some good friends here, like Howard and others. Um, yeah, quite, quite a good question, actually. So, 5G, from the outset, uh, you know, uh, has been keen on supporting uh, vertical industries. Uh, so, you may recall, actually, that uh, a triangle of uh, three vertices with EMBB on the top and the URLLC and the MMTC at the bottom. Uh, So, obviously, uh, 5G, uh, from the very beginning, uh, really uh, uh, had that vision to uh, support vertical industries, uh, such as, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing, uh, uh, automotive, uh, transportation, uh, UAVs, uh, railways, right? Uh, Now, uh, these uh, uh, use cases, actually, vertical use cases, uh, most of these use cases, uh, they call for requirements of low latency, high reliability, uh, massive uh, number of sensors, uh, low power, uh, low cost, uh, high uh, positioning accuracy. so the KPIs are quite different, if you like, to the EMBB, the typical EMBB uh, high-speed kind of uh, main KPI. Um, so uh, 5G has already kind of enabled uh, some of these use cases uh, through the uh, 5GNR uh, profiles of the URLC and uh, MMTC. And these include technologies such as, for example, uh, the mini-slot, uh, the uh, improvement of uh, hybrid ARQ, um, uh, further improvement on uh, service continuity, uh, the addition of uh, slicing, uh, but also the uh, integration with uh, edge computing. Now, all, not all these technologies uh, are already, uh, if you like, uh, fully specified and fully deployed today. Right? Uh, we we'll still uh, have to wait a bit uh, until we see more of the standalone 5G standalone uh, you know, uh, uh, rolled out. Uh, but even further, actually, uh, in the uh, Release 17 and the upcoming Release 18, we also see uh, further enhancements uh, towards these features and technologies to support even better uh, you know, all these uh, vertical use cases.
2: Thank you, Elaine. And as you can uh, hear, for anybody who's not so familiar, lots of acronyms uh, in our industry. Uh, so if you need to uh, uh, to look up, please, uh, I think probably Google is the best place to go. So thank you again. Sure. So moving on to um, uh, uh, Huawei and uh, Emmanuel. Um, so we've seen that Huawei have been very successful in supporting, you know, developing and developed countries um, to roll out 5G. But there are still many um countries that are not yet um deployed 5g so what do we need to do uh, to encourage more take up of uh, 5g
5: good morning thank you joe for your question and thank you for inviting me today for this uh event um, online event um for this question you just raised to, to me right now i would see Different aspects: some on technical aspects, some maybe more on business aspect. From technology point of view, we could say that 5G is one evolution of what we have today on on 4G. 4G has been a very big success around the world, and and we do see today that 5G is straightforward evolution on on this uh, 4G. And there are multiple aspects that could uh, get uh, operators to move to 5G. There is, of course, uh, definitely on the mobile bank. So if you look at uh, today's growth of traffic all around the world, and I believe in the past, maybe 18 months, it has been quite obvious that we need good connectivity, and 5G is there to deliver good connectivity, at least as one part of the, the 5G uh, business target. Mm, there are multiple aspects that could guarantee a seamless and straightforward move from 4G to 5G. There are different options, like for example, we we're just talking a few seconds back on the non-standalone, which can get, guarantee that both 4G, 5G do have some, some synergy. Um, it's obvious as well that from as well uh, aspect, business aspect, um, operators need to look at the local market, need to look at the place they are doing business and need to make assessment on what makes sense for them. And we see quite obvious um, growth on, on smartphone users, on, on CPU routers for fixed wireless access. I would believe this is um, quite as well strong demand all across the world, not specific only to some countries. And I would see this as well in countries where 5G has not yet been a kickoff as well. Very promising way to doing it on, on 5G. There are, as well, another aspect of 5G that is on the verticals. So, this one is still very early right now. It is, as well, something that is very much focused on the wireless industry. And um, I would see this, as well, in the next few years, getting bigger, getting one of the strategic moves from operators. And I would like, as well, to see maybe more engagement between, between industry. Between wireless industry and and other uh, partners. And this should be as well one part of the task of the to do list that uh, operators need to look at as well on on the verticals that should be as well part of the the business, new business they can target. But first one they have, I believe, to to deal with is the uh, mobile broadband. All about uh, capacity, broadband capacity that they can offer and they can deliver with, with 5G on top of what they do today on, on 4g and here it's about maybe like sometimes we are calling this uh, user segmentation
2: okay thank you emmanuel i mean that leads nicely into um and the next question that i was i was uh, considering is because we've seen 3g and 4g have been mostly as you said about connectivity and mobile brown, broadband and deliver that better user experience um, and 5g initially has been about just again faster faster connectivity But what opportunities, then, does 5G bring to broaden this mobile uh, service into other areas, both consumer but also business-wise? I mean, maybe maybe Howard first, if you've got some comments.
3: Thanks, Joe. Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, and I think it's one that crops up all the time because, uh, again, when we started talking about 5G in the early days, we very much focused on all of the new services that 5G will be able to provide. And the reason why it can provide those new services is that we designed the whole system right away from the air interface. So all the ones and noughts that get sent over the air right the way through to the way that the service-based architecture allows you to have a core network that's very specific to services through to things like slicing and network slicing that allows you to allocate uh, dedicated resource to certain verticals. Obviously, the key to making any of this technology affordable is to roll out chipsets in large volumes. And the way that we get those large volumes is by having a lot of mobile phone sales. And as those become successful over time, that decreases the cost of the chipsets we are in the stage at the moment where we uh, the initial rollout of 5g has been extremely successful i think the volumes are incredible given the amount of time that we've had since the specifications were finished and what we're seeing now is is that the cost of those chipsets is starting to get to be realizable for the vertical industries so whether that be smart factories or a whole variety of, of other verticals that we've been talking to and um, those those rollouts I think are relatively small in volume right now in the in the new services but I can see those growing very quickly over the next couple of years
2: thank you Howard uh, so Uli as well I mean you are also involved on the I think on the industrial side through other forums not just the GSA so um you know where, where do you see the main interest from you know from the vertical sectors and, and industry yes
0: thanks in, indeed i mean um we, we see a lot of uh, interest in particular in what is called uh, private wireless networks and uh, also as a as, as a company this is something uh, where we expect significant growth and the growth has has started so that uh, um Private um, private wireless in networks for critical applications take off. To take a take an example, we we uh, uh, Lufthansa uh, service is a is a customer of ours, and they have uh, used this so that they are servicing uh, airplanes from uh, also other airlines there in Hamburg, Germany, and they started before the pandemic. They started uh, with our 5G base station then to make um, remote uh, monitoring of the inspection of the plane so that the um, technic- technicians didn't need to travel anymore. And then during the pandemic, this was a trial. And during the pandemic, they made this then a commercial service because of course then the customer couldn't fly their, their stuff anymore to that. So that is uh, that is happening, this whole, what we call industrial 5G. Um, indeed, as Howard mentioned, in there, there needs to be uh, chipsets coming. And as the technology evolves, there's also special tweaks in the standard which come a little bit uh, later, which um, de- support them more demanding of these use cases. But uh, these, then uh, with release really 16 and 17, but these functionalities are also not the prerequisite for this market to pick up. So, the- definitely um, the industrial automation or smart manufacturing uh, sector, everything where you need mission critical coverage um Is something we see both then as a
2: <clears throat>
0: real private deployment, like uh, for us uh, with this Lufthansa case, or as a as an opportunity which is done via an operator um, network. As uh, Howard mentioned, that then functionality where you can almost make virtual private networks with slicing So that's definitely maybe the most important um, first use cases we see. Then maybe with a little of delay, then public safety, um, railway, which is still on 2G, um, but they have a narrow narrow spectrum. Um, but these sectors, defense sector, they all show great interest in the potential that 5G brings. That could be maybe for 2024, 20, four five onwards that this market develops. But this industrial 5G is developing uh, right now. And um, even outside of that, uh, more on the consumer side, um, we also see there is a f- inflection point nearing on everything which is augmented reality and virtual reality. Uh, it, it of course needs the devices that come, and there may be somebody like 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 uh, Huawei or uh, Samsung is better positioned. But but we, we we see this inflection point is 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 nearing. Uh, like uh, we had uh, developed three G to chief mobile broadband, but it took a device, which was the iPhone, to make this unlock. And we believe that devices that make this unlock is coming soon. And of course, there's a lot of advantages that um, 5G then can give in terms, in particular, of latency with everything, which is augmented reality and cloud gaming and uh, all of that. And that will happen in a year or so, I believe. Thank you. So, uh, Alan, uh,
2: same mean Uli there's mentioning about the uh, consumer side you know the virtual reality video augmented reality from a technology perspective then you know what, what are you work you guys working on uh to, to make that happen in the next few years
4: well i mean uh, uh say uh and it is 18 actually so which is not yet fully. Uh, if you like, uh, approved in terms of scope. But we can already see some consensus going on on to improving, uh, if you like, uh, the low latency, right? Uh, uh, so this is, if you like, uh, an important area uh, in terms of uh, supporting AR, uh, further low latency. Uh, it's also very important to bring, actually, edge uh, computing right uh, into the game. Because if you think of AR and cloud gaming, right, uh, a major bottleneck is if, uh, if you were actually to run uh, processing further away from the, uh, from the customer, right? So, we have to, to get this uh, on the customer uh, premises, uh, which means we have to integrate properly edge uh, into, into the network, right? Uh, so, all these, if you like, technologies are uh, being worked upon, uh, if you like, for the next immediate release. Uh, but as, uh, as uh, Oli just said, actually, so there is a forecast indeed that, uh, you know, with the current uh, 5G as it is today, Right, and we may be able to start seeing AR uh, supported uh, from uh, from next year on, right? So we don't have to wait, if you like, until the next release 18 or 19, before we starting to see the uh, you know um, uh, use you know proper deployment with use cases like the the AR. Uh, Now, uh, what's also worth uh, noting here is that, uh, you know, AR, VR, XR, immersive experiences, so each of these use cases, um, they have a very rich roadmap that uh, doesn't stop, if you like, in 2023, 2024, 2025. So these roadmaps will you know, continue with us uh, until 2030 and even beyond, right? Because there's always improvement um, in the video technology, uh, the new high resolutions coming up. Uh, uh, so there's always more demand, uh, right, in terms of, uh, you know, the, what the use case would like to see happening in the future. And that's what we need, actually. That's what we are doing in the Attentive Digital. So, uh, as, as you know, uh, our company now combines both wireless and video uh, you know, uh, sectors, technology sectors. Uh, so we are we are kind of uh, you know uh, leveraging these two uh, uh, technology uh, portfolios that we have to make sure that uh, both uh, uh, go hand in hand. And uh, we see actually the technology specified in 3GPP in a way to support what's going on on the video side in MPEG and elsewhere.
2: Thank you, Alan. So I mean that picks up on um, the situation that we need to migrate from you know 2G and 3G and 4G eventually to 5G and obviously 6G eventually at some, uh, some point in the time. Uh, but uh, Emmanuel, so what, what do you see there on the, how quickly do we need to you know, turn off the other technologies, 2G, 3G, Uli mentioned, 2G is used very much in the railway. So how quickly and how important is it to migrate from those other
5: technologies? I would see two sides uh, on this question. Uh, I would put 3G and 4G uh, in one side, And I would comment first on 3G, 4G. It's obvious we have done this in the past more than 10 years. We have put a lot of effort to move 3G to 4G. So I believe right now is no big surprise for all of us and from operators as well from different industry players that we are today clearly trying our very best to migrate legacy 3G and 4G to to 5G. So this is obviously in the direction of MBB. This is the direction of um, user smartphone as well as CPE. If some of them already use in the past uh, 4G, for example, CPE, I know in few cases as well. And there are countries that have used 3G CPE. So this is directly today one direction to move those 3G, 4G to 5G. As 5G is still there for many years to come. It will be not just in one or few years that we will be able to move all the um, legacy system today on, on device ecosystem on, on 4G, especially to 5G, but it is, it is going. And some countries will do a little bit early than others. It's quite obvious if you look at all around the world, not necessarily all countries will have the same rhythm to, to do this. So 3G40, definitely, it is in, in the move. It is already happening today. It could take maybe some time, but it is clearly in the roadmap I believe, of, of all operators. And then there is 2G. So 2G, maybe all of us, we have at one point of time in the early time when we start to, to enter the wireless telecommunication, we did some, some work on, on 2G, GPRS, and so on. This one is more challenging, in my opinion, to move to 5G, um, because the way 2G has been defined was not so much for MBB. There was, at that time, other kind of consideration across voice, short message, IoT in the time of machine-to-machine. It is not so simple to move this to 5G. There are multiple aspects that to have some very difficult answer uh, aspect on device, device, which is typically price of device, as well um, to guarantee coverage. If you look at today, I still believe today, all around the world on wireless technology, GSM still has huge coverage, and this is as well up to, um, let's say, the industry to develop um, 5G at the level of what you see today on GSM on coverage. I don't see this that rush happening in the next few years, at least not somewhere in the next uh, three to five years. Yes, some countries will um, stop 2G, maybe some of them are close to, um, are not necessarily, I believe, mainstream today. I still believe GSM is there. I uh, would be surprised even if. 2025 i still believe there will be gsm in our little world and uh, to replace uh, gsm by 5g i would expect it will take um it will take some some time so i would not put gsm straightforward as an option to to be replaced by by 5g i would see more of this coming from 3g 4g to be in the migration of, of 5G. gsm I, I would be a little bit more careful
2: Okay, thank you, Manuel. Um, so, um, from an application point of view, um, I mean, I also want to stay with you just for, uh, just briefly, Emmanuel, because while um, we been very uh, driven around the um, the four G, five G, fixed wireless access forum, um, so can you quickly just say, you know, do you how how do you see that developing uh, over the next few years? Do you think it's still going to, going to continue to grow strongly?
5: Definitely, yes. Um, I was. Checking statistics recently on Del and different third parties on, on the fixed wireless access. It is a big market today. It is a growing market. There is no doubt that 5G will be key in this way to deliver fixed wireless access. I put as well 4G. I, I don't forget 4G, but definitely 5G will be a big part of this fixed wireless access. Um, I saw recently numbers showing that in the next 10 years, so by 2030 around, there would be around one third plus, so maybe like 35 to 40% of all broadband connectivity, means like broadband typically for SMEs, enterprise, as well residential, that will be on, on fixed wireless access. Okay. So it is a big market, it is a growing market. There is a lot of expectation today on, on this market there are quite a number of operators. Uh, I'm sure I, I saw some numbers from GSA on, on this, quite a number of operators. Uh, I would see today in the range of 70, already 70 operators in the world do have already commercial service on fixed wireless access, on 5G, and there are more. There are more means we do expect as well in the next few months some, some more coming. So it is a big market, it's quite obviously for all operators, one market they have to watch, it will, I don't think it will replace fixed broadband, it will complement fixed broadband. And there are multiple scenarios where fixed wire success is doing a very good job that can deliver already very good performance and that can guarantee for the end users already a very good connectivity. And this is what we need today in our little.
2: Thank you. So, Uli, on the, the side that we've seen a lot of interest around, the, not now from just the non standalone, which was the initial deployment of 5G but also on uh, now the standalone, like um, uh, 5G networks. What, what advantages does five, the standalone now bring and opportunities uh, for mobile operators?
0: Yes, thanks. In, uh, indeed, the um, non-standalone all, always relies still on, um, on 4G LTE and then also then uh, on the core network and the the services that are provided by by 4G. So it's, let's say, 4G services over 5G radio. And um, now with this standalone, it is 5G services over 5G 5G radio. It has a number of advantages, in particular um, when it comes to latency, because then the latency is no longer dependent on this uh, a little bit uh, slower um, LTE um, link. So if you go to... um, AR, VR, those kind of applications, definitely there there is an advantage. And if you go into this private networking, we have um, functionalities like this, providing slices for particular um, users. And and that is also something which uh, the standalone operation is where the standalone operation is requirement. So these are sort of the, the two examples. And from a network perspective, of course, 5G, the 5G network itself, which is then introduced with the standalone, is designed from day one to operate on the cloud. I mean, even the 4G cloud, in most cases, uh, operator have migrated um, onto cloud operation. But the 5G uh, network itself, in the way that the data and the service-based architecture and similar things are designed, are from the beginning designed to operate on the cloud, and hence, this brings then going to standalone and further these architecture, of course operational benefits to the operators and cost reductions thank you
2: thanks Uwe. uh howard you had some comments uh, around uh standalone or, or do you want to consider spectrum harmonization as, as an issue going forward
3: well let's just touch on uh on standalone i think there's obviously been great concern across the industry in trying to lower uh, power consumption and improve our carbon footprint. And one of the things that standalone does is it definitely provides a step in the right direction there because, uh, what we've seen is both on the mobile phones and on the network infrastructure. I mean, obviously Samsung make both sides of the uh, equipment. We have seen lower power consumption moving to 5G. Uh, and I think, you know, that's, it's really important that we continue down that road, um, to, to improve our carbon footprint. Just quickly on spectrum harmonization. Spectrum is very difficult because obviously, different countries have different existing services that they try to protect. And uh, trying to interwork and get the same spectrum allocation across the globe is always hard. So we have key bands that are globally harmonized. We have other bands that are country-specific. And so we end up having to produce phones that are uh, regional phones. So the phone that we make for North America won't necessarily be exactly the same as the phone we make for Europe because it will cover different bands but because we have that core set of bands that are globally harmonized it would be a nice thing to have to have global harmonization Um, and I think in the future we'll try and go down that route but it's not an absolute essential it doesn't stop us doing anything today. Thanks Howard.
2: So we've got um, uh, two, three minutes left. So I just want to uh, to finish off and ask um, everybody to um, um, comment on what was the one, what would be the one feature or technology you would like to see personally developed for five G. Uh, so personally, I'd like to have uh, some five G contact lenses, so I can get rid of these glasses uh, and then have augmented reality uh, and virtual reality. Layered on top of my uh, contact lenses, so that's something I'm looking forward to. Hopefully, before um, uh, I I retire. But um, uh, uh, Alana, what? What? How would you answer that question? uh, Briefly, in thirty seconds.
4: Right. So, as a technologist, uh, I would pick a technology that uh, has been uh, always uh, branded as uh, a major difference uh, that five G has brought compared to four G, which is millimeter wave, right? But which we haven't seen, uh, if you like, uh, uh, picking up from the very beginning uh, worldwide. So I would love to see actually a millimeter wave really in the next few years uh, making uh, an important entry into the devices and into the uh, you know the end user uh, applications, uh, supporting these these applications.
2: Thanks, Emmanuel. How would you answer that?
5: In one word. I would like to see positioning in, in the next few years uh, as one big achievement on, on the 5G and uh, I'll link these to verticals. I still believe 5G will be big in verticals and positioning is one of the aspects that can make this uh, successful. Okay, thank
3: you. Uh, Howard? Well, for me, it's another acronym, NTN, uh, non-terrestrial networks. So if we want to turn off 2G, uh, we need to improve coverage. So having direct phone to satellite. Uh, we did it many years ago with Iridium. Can we do it with smartphones phones than 5G? Uh, I think we're getting
0: close. And finally, Uli, how would you answer? I think it's an add-on to um, Howard. Um, and I'm more thinking from, this, from the use case perspective. And there's a couple of features then behind. I think. Uh, that uh, 5g becomes relevant in uh, developing countries and in rural areas so what howard says is, is contributing to one but also others so that that you know a lot of these societal benefits we we believe you know remote 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 medicine and agriculture and so on depends on that and i think that would be a bigger biggest transformation of course a uh, um, important step to do to fulfill uh, the sustainable development uh, with
2: 5G. Thank you. So, uh, we've run out of time, so thank you very much and I'm handing back now to uh, Ladislav. Thank you, everybody.
1: All right. Uh, just uh, looking at the poll, yes, uh, the majority of the answers went towards the industry. People see that the biggest opp- opportunity for 5G is in the industry, not in B2C or enterprises or government. Right, uh, I have a uh, very limited time here. We have one and a half minutes left, uh, two questions from the audience. Herbert is asking, uh, uh, what do you think about opportunities in uh, fixed wireless access for B2C business, uh, chances, risks and challenges? Uh, While well, Emmanuel was
4: talking
2: about that, do you want to answer that manual?
5: Um, For sure it is as well. Um, Fixed-wise access is not just for residential. um, It is as well uh, fully capable to address um, as well enterprise. Um, I'm looking like typically service like SMEs and not just SMEs as well. Even large corporate could connect their branch office with headquarters. So it is as well one market that we see today uh, moving and it is definitely one market 5G there to deliver.
1: All right. And the second question: Do you think the internet access uh, will be free of charge in the near future?
0: Maybe one for Uli. Sorry? <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh. Um, I think, of course, we we need to, monet, we need to monetize uh, that, and um, I, so I, I I think there needs to be a, a basic compensation for the um, uh, for the for, for the service, and of course that is also. The only reason if uh, that uh, operators are interested to extend the rollout of the network and then introduce new functionality so i like also free beer and all of that but my my answer is no i think we need to pay for that in order to if you want to have invest and innovation it's clear that it will cost something and it's also important that this is understood thank you that's a great answer
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I thank you uh, all the panelists and especially Joe Barrett, who uh, moderated this session. Thank you, gentlemen. Okay, so we shall now continue. uh,